0: Um, So yeah, as Esther said, my name is Esther. I'm also one of the key leaders here at EBI. And this morning, we're going to be rounding up our current series of Becoming Like Jesus. And this series has covered why and how we become like Jesus, becoming like Jesus through community, becoming like Jesus through using practices, through the Holy Spirit, And last week, Esther spoke about becoming like Jesus through whole life. And these talks can all be found on the EBI website. So today we're going to be thinking about becoming like Jesus through real, authentic life. And I'm going to be reading from two passages. I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew as well as the book of James. And I'm going to read them separately. And... Uh, we're going to be thinking about our actions and our words and how they contribute to us becoming and being like Jesus. But before we delve in, I'm going to read a quote from a man named Lao Tzu. I think that's how you say it. And I actually have some of these words on my computer screen at work. It just helps me to keep focused at times. So this is what it says. What's your thoughts? For they become words. What's your words for they become actions? What's your actions for they become habits? What's your habits for they become your character? What's your character for it becomes your destiny? Now I don't know what um, you're feeling reading those words or hearing those words. Maybe you think, yeah, do you know what? My thoughts are pretty good. I think I'm doing a good job with what I say and what I do. For others, we might be going, oh, actually, yeah, that's, that's just made me think a little bit about the things I do, and maybe that stems from the way I think. As Esther said last week, all of us are made in the image of Jesus, and becoming like Jesus is a process which is intentional and to be grappled with. So we're going to now read from the book of Matthew, and we're going to read from chapter 6. And the book of Matthew is in the New Testament, and it's one of the books about the life of Jesus. And the words that I'm reading are words that Jesus himself said. So reading from verse 1, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So as I was just reflecting on this passage, it seemed quite clear to me, others may have a different opinion, that um, becoming like Jesus occurs or stems through what we do. So when we are thinking about becoming like Jesus through what we do, I felt that we need to consider what our motivation is. The message version of this passage says, be especially careful when you are trying to be good. So that you don't make a performance out of it. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. Jesus, in this passage, talks about the hypocrites, and it's likely that he is referring to the Pharisees as well as other religious leaders. It's believed that the word Pharisee is linked to the root Hebrew word for separate or detach. And the Pharisees really wanted to be separate from others. They took the law in Leviticus, which is another book in the Bible in the Old Testament, really seriously. And they had a really strict interpretation of it. They really focused on their behaviour being right and being seen to do the right thing. Yet it was purely religious. It wasn't motivated necessarily by a relationship with God or trying to become like Jesus. Jesus. So this means that whilst their behaviour might have looked really good, actually, their hearts were not in the right place. Their motivation was about how they looked, about being the ones to get recognition, not about showing the love of Jesus to those they encountered. And the passage that we're going to read in James says that teachers will be judged more strictly. That's because in those days, teachers like the Pharisees, like Jesus, taught by life an example more than by word. And when we encounter Jesus and we learn more about who he was and how he lived, personally, I think it's quite hard not to want to be like him. It's, quite, it's also terrifying when you really read about what Jesus did and how he was. Like it's a huge challenge to us. But when we read about how he spoke to people, how he made them feel and how he included them, how he loved them, it's inspiring and motivating. Jesus shows us how to live. He is our best example. The thing is though, Jesus doesn't just want us to act this way to look good. He didn't do it to look good. He wants there to be a change in our hearts which motivates us to be more like him. Now, I want to just say that it is absolutely fine to do good things for people in front of others. I don't want us to be looking around, making sure no one's watching when we do a good thing. Otherwise, we'll get really paranoid or just not do anything. And that's not the point. Like He wants us to do good deeds because this is part of living out our faith. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? As children of God, as imitators of Jesus, we are called to practically live out our faith. And Colossians 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him through giving thanks through him to God the Father. This all means living daily like Jesus, not for our own glory, but to show the love of Jesus to those we encounter. Now as I was thinking about well what might impact our motivation? What might stop us from doing these good deeds or seeking recognition? what I kept coming back to was identity, who or what we put our identity in. Now some may disagree with me and that is absolutely fine, but I believe that when our identity is firmly in God, when we truly believe and accept that we are loved unconditionally by God, then we won't feel the need for recognition or approval from others by what we do. However, if our identity is in anything else, in our work or service, in money, in our appearance, there's lots of other things, then we are likely to have a tendency to behave in ways to gain recognition from others or look good. Now, research has shown that people's resistance to change stems from someone trying to hold on to themselves or their sense of who they are. And perhaps some of us here struggle to put our identity fully in God because we're worried that we're going to lose something of who we are. I'm sure we're not alone in thinking that. People don't change in response to a good idea. Whilst we wish they would or we would, it doesn't generally happen that way. They change when they are emotionally compelled to. Knowing in our heads that our motivation should be one of love is great. Like, it's brilliant to have that idea. But actually, it's the heart response that will help us to become more like Jesus. Now, interestingly, I didn't um, know what the spot item was today. But it was all about change. And we're going to pause for a moment. And what I want us to think about is if there is anything that we are feeling resistant to change, which would actually help us become more like Jesus. And just think about why we might be resistant to change. So it may be something that you wrote down on your butterfly. It may be something different. But I just want us to pause and have a couple of minutes just to reflect on that. So the question is just on the screen. Now, a minute can feel like a really long time when there's no talking, but in the context of that, it's not that long. So I would encourage you to continue reflecting uh, if something has come up, um, maybe this week, take some time to keep thinking that through. But when we let Jesus in, when we allow him to love us and change us, when we accept that we aren't loved because of how much money we have or because of what we do or how we look, then our motivation for doing things can begin to change. And we become more like Jesus. So becoming like Jesus through what we do. So we're going to now read from uh, James. And this is another book in the New Testament. And James was a brother of Jesus. And this book considers daily living as children of God. And if you haven't read the book of James, it's challenging but really good and really helpful. So, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, they make who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now this passage is all about the tongue. So it made me think about becoming like Jesus through what we say. And so as we continue thinking about becoming like Jesus through real, authentic life, we need to also consider that it isn't actually just the things that we do that reflect Jesus, but also the things that we say and how we say them. James makes it clear that the tongue, although small in size, is powerful. Now the average tongue is about three inches long. So I don't know if you want to stick your tongue out, see how long it is. Anyone going to do it? Oh, Barney does it. There we go. (laughs) So it is small, you know, small but powerful. But he uses the example of a bit in a horse's mouth and the rudder of a ship. Now, back then, the horse would have been one of the most powerful machines around. It's where the term horsepower comes from. And that came around in the 18th century. And when you're not on a horse, when you're driving it from a carriage or a harness like they would have done to plough fields, they would have used ox or horses, the bit attaches to these long leather straps or a rope called reins. And that's what you use to steer the horse or stop it. The difference is when you're riding a horse, when you're sat on a horse, I used to have horses, I've ridden for many years, you don't actually need a bit to steer it. You can steer the horse just by looking where you want to go or using your legs. Horse and rider should be in sync. But this takes time. It takes practice. It takes horse and rider getting to know each other well enough to be able to communicate without force and through gentle little movements. And when you see the professionals, if ever of you has seen dressage, which is also known as horse dancing, then actually you can't always tell what the rider is doing to make the horse do the actions. And it made me think, in a sense, when we really get to know Jesus, we don't have to think about the words or the actions because we're so in sync with Jesus that we just become and behave like him. But this doesn't happen overnight, just like horse and rider doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. But likewise with the ship. The ship would have been one of the largest moving vehicles in those days and the rudder itself was shaped like a tongue. James mentions how a spark can cause a forest fire. Through all this imagery, hopefully we can have this visual um, image that James is highlighting, how something so small is able to do big things, but actually that it also can cause a lot of damage. He says that the easiest place to stumble is in the use of the tongue. It is so easy to let a critical word slip out, and I am sure all of us can identify with this. But the message version describes the impact of the tongue like this. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell impact of the tongue is huge but words normally come from a thought we may not have that thought for very long but there is always a thought that happens before we speak and if our thoughts are not in line with Jesus then our words are less likely to be too as the quote i read out at the beginning says what's your thoughts for they become words That's not enough for James is it? He, he doesn't kind of want to leave it there. He goes on to tell us that cursing and praising should not come out of the same mouth. We cannot praise God but then curse human beings who are made in the image of God. It's as though we are cursing God himself. Like this is challenging stuff like it makes me feel uncomfortable because I know that I have fallen foul to this very thing. But I feel that as people, if we're here and we claim to follow Jesus, then others are going to look to us to learn, well, what is Jesus like? Who is this person that you speak of? Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We are the visible image of the invisible God. Now, if you're feeling a little bit worried about this, I'm thinking, Esther, I get this wrong quite a lot. I don't really know what to do. Or well, James says, we all stumble in many ways. We all make many mistakes. And he says that if a person really has their tongue so totally controlled so that they don't sin in this area, then they are in fact so self-controlled that they are perfect because the tongue is the last thing to get under control. So who here thinks that they have their tongue completely under control and are therefore perfect? No? Good, because I feel exactly the same. Um, And I'm gonna just share a little bit now about me. Um, And if you're like me, and many of you who know me well will know that I can often speak before really thinking about what I'm saying. And the words just seem to tumble out of my mouth. And it's often said that I'm the one that says what everyone else is thinking. Because they think longer before speaking. And therefore stop and don't speak. But I don't. Um, and this, this sometimes is very humorous. But at times it doesn't work out so well. Um, but when I was younger, uh, many of you won't know this, but... Before I came to know Jesus, I actually struggled a lot with anger. It was the way that I expressed feeling hurt or upset. And as a teenager, I'd been picked on quite a lot at school, and I was insecure. I didn't know who I was, and it was my defense mechanism. Because words were all I had. I wasn't strong. I was a bit podgy. And I, so my words were the way of just keeping people at arm's length. And they were my weapon. But the problem was, I was quite good at it. So it meant that what I said were things that were quite mean and hurtful and harmful. My language was atrocious and I could be quite threatening at times because if I didn't like you, you knew about it because I didn't want you to get close to me and I wanted to get in before you could hurt me. So I kept people at bay and I caused a lot of harm. And some of the harm I caused took a long time to heal, especially in family relationships. But the thing is, when I received Jesus and accepted him into my life, it happened a week before my 21st birthday. And I went home for my 21st birthday for a big family party. And the first thing that my mum commented on was how much more peaceful I was. And this was reflected in my conversations and the language that I used. And where Jesus had begun really quickly to change me from the inside, this was becoming evident on the outside. And so I actually rarely react with anger like I used to. It's not something that bubbles up inside me anymore. But I'm not perfect. I've already shared I often speak before I think. And sometimes my thoughts are not great. So please be praying for me. But I am a a work in progress again if you know we may be thinking oh gosh like if the tongue is so hard to tame what on earth can we do about it well the verse is under after the ones that i read uh, james shares about seeking wisdom from god and giving ourselves fully to him i mentioned identity and i think when we do put our identity fully in god if we can keep working on that and if we keep learning about Jesus and who he was and how he interacted with people then we've got a chance of at least trying to tame it that little bit more so becoming like Jesus through what we say now Jesus as I said is the visible image of the invisible God he came to the world as a baby and he grew up committing his life to showing the world how to love one another And then he died the most horrible death to continue showing us how much he loves us. Today, the challenge I'm putting to you is Are we prepared to love people in the same way. So what might this look like? It might be that we are aware that actually the language we use or the words that we say don't really reflect Jesus. And it's about trying to consciously change the way that we speak. It may be that we want to commit to doing good deeds but that aren't seen by others so we can't receive the recognition that maybe we seek. Maybe we do desire that affirmation and that's something that God is challenging us on. But maybe for you, you're sat here and actually you're not sure if your identity is fully in God and that's the thing that God is wanting you to really know is that he loves you. And you are fully accepted just as you are. And maybe you don't know Jesus personally, but you want to know him. And I would encourage you to ask someone to pray with you and to receive him into your life. Now I'm going to invite the band back up to worship. Um, And I know I've covered a lot of stuff. Um, And it may be that there's things that have come up that you really want prayer for. I'm going to be just at the back Um, And I would love to pray with you, but if you don't feel comfortable with that, then please do ask someone else to pray with you either today or this week. And as the band come up and lead us in a response, I'm just going to read these words from a well known hymn, and it's just the chorus. And the song is called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And the chorus says this Turn your eyes upon Jesus.